Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, listen. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Remember, 2 Corinthians, guys, was written with three main sections, okay? Now, Paul just writes the letter, but we've sort of organized them. Now, chapters 1 through 7, we've already covered, but let me just kind of go with this real quick, okay? It was Paul's heart, guys. He shares his heart in a letter to reconcile with the church. And one thing we need to understand in those first seven churches is forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness. Okay? The problem was is that there were people in Corinth going, eh, we don't think Paul is this. We don't think he's that. Oh, he's not. Look at the way he looks. And, and Paul goes over there. You guys know the story. They get convicted and they're like, Paul, we're so sorry. Do you forgive us? Can, Paul, we're so sorry. Paul says, of course I do. Of course I do. And Paul actually has the same heart that Joseph has when Joseph told his brothers, am I in the place of God? He says, no, I forgive you. I understand. And so it's about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. And what Paul does, and I think it's something we do, guys. Listen, here's so key. Listen, when when we offer forgiveness, can I get an amen? amen? When we offer forgiveness, we should always point them back to the cross of Christ. Oh, that's what Paul does. Paul says, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the cross. Let me tell you about the cross. Let me tell you about the cross. Then he talks about all of that. And in chapters 8 and 9, he sort of changes the topic, right? We talked about giving and generosity. And we learned some valuable lessons when it comes to giving. Okay, you want to know what it is? It's not our money. It belongs to the Lord. All of it does. No, it's my money. It's in my wallet. I'll take care of it. No, no, no. It belongs to the Lord. And here's what we learned. Here's what we learned. Guys, we learned that giving to the Lord should be out of love. Hello? And it should be done cheerfully. You know what that word means? Hilariously. <laughs> yeah! What are you doing? Giving money? Are you crazy? Yeah. Hey, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's going to do incredible things with it. The problem is, is we hold on to it tight-fisted. Here, here's, here's my... What are you going to do with it, Pastor? That's what we do. You give it unto the Lord. This is what Paul, this is what Paul said. He said, when we do, we should be cheerfully. Don't begrudgingly. Okay? Don't sit there, hey, we're going to take up an offering for the third time. And this time I want you to dig deep. Deeper. Deeper. That's not us. Paul says, listen, it should be done. What? Cheerfully. And here's what we learned. Giving comes from a generous heart. When you realize the grace of God, when you realized all that he's done for you, every blessing from the largest, hey, we bought a house, to the minute, I had enough money to buy a soda today. You realize that's God's, that's his heart. And so we can't help but going, there you go, Lord. Here you go. Here you go. Now, coming to chapter 10, all the way to 13, guys, here's kind of where we're headed, okay? I'm planning a brand new series in December, just a four-week series. And basically what it is is, is the, here's the title of the series, okay? It's this. It's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. 
You guys ever heard that? But I'm still lonely. I'm still depressed. I'm still struggling. So we've got, we've got a few weeks. We've got about 10 weeks, I think, maybe eight, to finish up here. You go, well, Ben, what's, what's Paul going to talk about? Okay. In chapters 10 through 13, he's going to address those who are still questioning him and his message, and he actually is going to take on what he calls the super apostles. Okay? Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Jesse looked up like super apostles. Yeah, like superheroes. Anybody into superheroes, right? We're all into the, yeah, these are, he calls them super apostles, and I'll tell you why in just a moment, okay? He actually calls them that in chapter 11, verse 5, if you think I'm making that up. Now, keep this in mind. Here, you ready? Put on your thinking caps, everybody, okay? Paul was not defending himself, per se, in these chapters. He's not going, well, I know I'm short, and I know I have a crooked nose, and I know, you guys need to stop being mean to me. He's not defending himself, okay? What's he doing? Guys, he's defending his apostolic office. In other words, he's defending the fact that God called him to be an apostle. Why? Everybody say why. Because if, if he doesn't defend that, then the message gets lost. And the gospel of the message is the most important thing. If he doesn't defend, this is what God has called me to do, this is who I am, an apostle, then people will go, oh, well, the message of the cross, eh. I don't need Jesus to be saved. I'll do it on my own. I'll work my way. Right? And then we adopt a song. I keep working my way back to Jesus. Right? So, everybody under 30 didn't know what a thing I was talking about, but I saw Rosa singing, so I know she's... Anyway, so here we go. Here we go. Um, okay, so you understand, okay, you understand... He's, he's defending his office, the apostolic office. Amen? So, we've come to the last four chapters of this amazing book. And the one thing I want you to note, ready? Boom, boom, boom. Note the tone of the letter is changed. The tone, his tonality. You guys understand that, right? Have you ever been in a conversation where the tone changes? You're like, hey, how's it going? And then something happens, you're like, wait, wait, wait a minute, what? The tone has changed. That's the problem with text. Anybody try to read the tone on a text? You know? How, how are you? I'm okay. What does that mean? Are they like, I'm okay, or I'm okay. I mean, we don't understand, but, but, but we can feel it in the letter. You understand that, right? How do we feel tone, guys? By the words that are used and the way they're phrased. So this is what he's going to do, okay? So we're going to note the drastic change. So much so, Joe, listen, so much so that some have asserted these four chapters are actually the lost letter we don't have. You're just like, whoa. You go, lost letter? Okay, for my Bible students, chapter 1 Corinthians was written. He wrote another, another letter that was really, really harsh. He goes, I'm sorry I had to be so harsh. That's lost. We don't have it. Nobody, I don't know where it is, unless this is part of it. That's gained a lot of momentum. Here's what I want you to know. We don't know. We don't know. I wish I could say, yeah, you decide. You go, okay, I think that's part of the lost letters. But you'll see that the tone has changed from the giving, even from chapters 1 through 7. So let's focus in, okay? Let's focus in. Paul is defending, remember, he's defending his apostolic authority. 
He's defending his character to the people in the church. There were still many still questioning his qualifications to be a pastor. Are you really a pastor? Are you really an apostle? Are you really? Well, I don't know about that because God would not, uh, he wouldn't do this in a, this way. I just, I don't, I don't understand. So what does Paul do? If you break up chapter 10, he's going to defend himself. And I say that, right? You're going to, he's going to defend who he is, his calling to those people who don't, to the false apostles. He's going to defend that. And then he's going to reiterate his purpose. Now, when it comes to chapter 10, I'm looking at it and looking at it, and I understand it's, it's a defense. You understand. In the last three, he's going, I can tell you, you want to talk about, you want to talk about apostles? Let's go. Tell me your credentials. Oh, you want to talk about the knowledge of Jesus? I, I studied under, me and Jesus, we hooked. You understand. I was on the road to, I mean, oh, you want to talk about knowing the Bible? Have you memorized the whole Bible? You understand. He, he's got him out. He's got him beat. Right? In other words, these super apostles who walked in, very tall, very handsome, very eloquent, very, very well speak, very polished. And here's Paul just going, I just love Jesus. I just tell you about Jesus. Here's the problem, guys. When it comes to debating Paul or even your credentials with Paul, those guys are not even on the field, right? They're not even on the JV. Paul's varsity, these guys aren't even going to see the field. And he's like, I Okay, you'll see how it goes. You'll see how it goes, okay? You'll see how it goes. Now, here's the problem. The problem is is that they're judging by their eyes. They're looking at Paul, short and stocky, and they're going, there's no way. And, 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 and again, here's these things. Paul was and pointed out a lavish writing and his ability to express himself was, a, was very powerful. You read the thing, right? Yet, his outward appearance was very meek and mild, and to them, that was a true contradiction. They realized, there's no way that powerful letter can come from such a small, in stature kind of guy. There's no way. And that's what's going on here. Everybody with me? So Paul warned against judging people by what is on the outside instead of that he only, again, he's, he says, don't be careful not to judge on the outside. He says, but listen, I'm only doing it for the glory of God. And that's where we pick it up, right? Have you ever judged something from the outside? And you really thought, okay? I remember I was about literally probably 13, maybe 12 or 13 in that area. Right, I was probably about a hundred and ten pounds soaking wet. You don't look at me that way. I really was, okay. And I remember I had a friend who seemed to be at that point really overweight. Really, he was a big, stocky guy. Probably ran about a hundred and eighty. He was a year older. And as all the kids got together. We're going to have a race like we do, right? Kids play, let's race. I bet I could beat you. And I'm thinking, there's no way he could beat me. Look at him. He's got to move. I got this. I judged him by his appearance, and the dude smoked me. 
That's what they're doing here. They're going outside appearance. You should, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. So Paul writes, you guys ready? Verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence I am lowly among you, but being absent, I am bold towards you. Don't you just love Paul's heart here, guys? Paul's heart here. Now here's what I want you to see. Even while Paul seeks to defend himself, he doesn't do it in an angry or indignant manner. He doesn't do it like that. Could you imagine? He could write even a severe letter. Listen, let me tell you a few things. Let me show you. He doesn't. Because he's got the heart of Christ. Guys, I think that's the same heart we need to have. Now, here's the problem. The heart of Christ in my fleshly heart seemed to fight all the time. Anybody with me? They seem to fight. The heart of Christ says, others-oriented, people matter. My heart, you know what it says? I matter. My way, my will. Oh, no, no, no. I need to put aside the flesh. Lord, I want your heart. And so he doesn't do that, guys. And so what does he do, guys? He seeks to emulate the humanity and gentleness of Christ. I love that. Notice those words, guys. Notice he says, guys, I am begging you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word. You go, what do you mean? Circle the word meekness. Why? Because it actually means to be more in mind internally. You go, why? He's thinking about them. He's thinking about, it's, it's, man, I, I, I'm begging with you as I think about you. I think about you night and day. And, and then he says, and with gentleness, circle that word, because that means more of an external behavior. An external behavior. You go, Ben, what's the point? <sighs> you ready? The way we think usually is how we behave. And I want to think in meekness and gentleness. Because sometimes when I'm not thinking straight, or let me put it to you this way, when we have stinking thinking, then we behave the same way, don't we? But, but the, the, here's the point, guys. I, anybody with me? Have you ever had stinking thinking and behaved that way? But that doesn't define us as Christians. It just means, oh, I've got to get my heart right. And people cross their arm and go, oh, well, doctor, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to be. And sometimes I just think, I just, I just have stinking thinking and I behave that way and then I stink. And so, and so this is what Paul is saying. He's going, listen, here's what I mean. Even though I've got to defend myself against you guys, listen, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to respond in gentleness. In gentleness. How many of us think before we speak. By your laughter, that indicates we don't. Somebody comes up to you and they tell you something, and you're like, and we need to think. Let me, let me, let me, let me process that. I want to I answer this in gentleness, in meekness. This is what Paul's saying. Both attributes, guys, are derived from Jesus. Amen? 
That's, that, this is an attribute of Christ. Paul surely could have come down hard on those who were causing trouble, but instead he says, let me just defend myself. Let me just defend the message, right? Paul says, I'm going to love you with meekness and gentleness, even though I realize you think I'm a timid person and only bold when I write to you, right? Hey, your texts, Paul, they're pretty bold. They're pretty weighty. You got a lot of power behind that, but then when you come, you're just this little short dude that doesn't, that's, that's what they're thinking. And that's, that Paul's like, no, 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 listen, here, listen, I could, no, no. Paul says in verse two, he says, but I beg you that when I'm present, I may not be bold with the confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as we walked according to the flesh. What Paul's saying, guys, listen, he says, I'm begging you, please don't force me to be harsh or bold when I'm with you. Please don't. <laughs> listen, this is Paul because he's texting. Y'all, y'all don't think for a moment I'll hesitate to stand up to those who say I'm walking in the flesh using only human motives. You understand you understand, as Christians, we have a beautiful Christ-like heart. But no, don't over underestimate Paul being able to go, no, well, I can be very bold. Mamas, mamas, am I talking to mamas here? How many of you got a great heart, but don't poke mama bear? Do not poke mama bear, because mama bear goes, I love you. And then you poke, you poke mama bear with her cubs? It's like, whoa! So don't underestimate mamas. Don't underestimate that. You understand what Paul's saying. I'm using that because that's how we are. It's like, look, you guys have a sweetheart, but but someone comes and messes genuinely with your kids, mama bear comes out and says, "Mm -mm. you don't know how. (laughs) You don't know how I could be. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, guys, don't, don't, don't make me be harsh. And let me tell you why, he says. I don't want to be harsh because in verse 3 he says, For though we walk in the flesh, he says, we do not war according to the flesh. What's Paul saying here, guys? He says, and even though we are human, he says, we don't fight like humans do. You go, what do you mean? Okay, let me explain. Paul says in verse 4, For the weapons, everybody say weapons. Say it again. One more time. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can put flesh there. But mighty in God, I put spiritually there, for what? For pulling down down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Paul, what did you say? Paul says, listen, 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 listen. Paul said, even though I walk in the flesh, okay, what does that mean? In all the weakness of the body. Okay, all the weakness of the body. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, getting old stinks, doesn't it? Getting old stinks. I mean, it used to be we could, boom, jump out of bed, bam. Now we're like. Crack, crack, crack. Bing, bing, bing. Okay. Move. Mm-mm. But I got to go to the restroom. That's too bad. We're not moving. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? He says, so Paul says, we're human. We're human. He says, but I don't fight human-wise. I don't, I don't fight human-wise. 
he says, but we, he says, we're not, we're not going to war after the flesh dependently on the flesh. Like what? What, Ben? With our fleshly wisdom. Well, this is what I think. With our human abilities, this is what I can do. Or our physical skill or expertise. Okay, Paul says, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. The weapons are spiritual, not fleshly. Guys, I'm not going to come to you and go, look, you want to talk about being a Pharisee? I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Listen, I was teaching, I was teaching rabbis before you guys were even born. Seriously. He's no, 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 that's not, that's not where, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to hit you with my skills and my expertise. Well, you know, I went to 14 years of seminary and I have 15 degrees and I have all these letters behind my name. He says, that's not what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, it's, 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 it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Okay? It's, well, like what? Well, we know that it's what? It's pulling down strongholds. Things that are in our heart that won't, whoo, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself, and bringing every thought into captivity. Guys, where's the war? Where's the war? In our brain. Hey, where's the war? Right here. Why do you think the enemy says, fiery darts are coming where? It, what, how we think? I'm not going to fight with going, well, with logic. I'm, I'm going to fight how? Well, Paul tells us how we should fight. Notice the screen, guys, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. I know you know this, but he says, finally, my brethren, this is Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What should we do, church? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, verse, the next verse, four. What happens, church? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. Listen, against spiritual hosts in wickedness of heavenly places. You know what that is? That's the airways. Be careful with the media. Be careful with what you listen to. Be careful with... Again, where's that? Notice. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly... This is the airways. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. You would not believe the spiritual attacks on churches that try to put radio stations in their city. You would not believe the stuff that, I mean, happens. Guys, our brothers and sisters in California are struggling because there's an attack against the church, the churches. Now, you can't go to church. And if you go to church, don't sing because you might spit on somebody. Well, I've never sang where spit just flies out here like, okay, I mean. (laughs) Now, when I preach, there's a spit zone right here. So don't, don't go right here. But you guys see what I'm saying. You guys see what I'm saying. Okay? For we don't wrestle. We don't wrestle, guys. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. You understand that. It's not the wrestling. He says, well, we wrestle against powers, against rulers of darkness, and against spiritual hosts in heaven. Therefore, what should we do? Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having all having done all to stand. Now it goes on, and I don't have time to do that. You guys know you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You guys put on all, these are our weapons. This is what we should do. This is what we should do. 
Okay, this is what he's saying. This is the principle. This is how we should be fighting. You guys ready? I hope I can get up. This is your fighting position. This is your fighting position. Okay, you ready? Okay, let's go. Hey, while I'm down here, how's your prayer life? See, I just convicted all of us. (laughs) I just convicted all of us. Old James, what did they call him? Camel knees. Camel knees. Why? Because his knees were so worn out for being... Now, now you don't have to pray on your knees. You understand that. But, but we should... Guys, as a church, as believers, man, we should be praying. And we should be praying. And we should be praying. Listen. We're quick and easy to, what, to have a discussion about Trump and all that's going on in politics. We're, we're real easy. But we should be praying. Myself included, guys. We should be praying. Matthew, remember fatalistic theology? Fatalistic theology is going, well, God's going to do whatever he's going to do anyway. I don't need to do anything. Yes, it is God's show. But we need to be praying. Praying for our children. Praying for the next generation. Praying for our president. Praying for our country. But you guys read the end of the book, okay? It all ends. It all end. It's, it's, so what should we, we need to be praying for people who are not saved. We need to be telling people, hey, bro, I don't mean to offend you, but I need to tell you about Jesus. I don't, I, listen, I know we've been pals. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you, this is my heart. Well, don't tell me about it. Hey, listen, I, I just, I want to be clean before God, and I just, I just know. And you go, well, Ben, none of my friends listen. But I got to tell you, how did you get here? Because you weren't born saved. Okay? You weren't born, even if, even if you grew up in church and your mama had you in the pew in the first, you're not saved until you come to Jesus, till you understand. But most of us had that aha moment when somebody told us about Christ and we went, oh, I'm saved. I don't think I've fully surrendered to God. And then we get saved. The scales fall from our eyes and we're like, oh my gosh. You go, man, how do I know if I'm saved? Let me ask you a question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship? I mean, are you talking to, like, a relationship? Right? Adam Tiffany, how long have you been married? Uh-oh, put him on the spot. Three? A little over three, right? I, I did the wedding. Is there a day that goes by that you don't talk? Is there a day that you talk multiple times? Tiffany, is there a day where you just have to call him just to hear his voice? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing in particular. you just like, oh, nothing. I just wanted to hear you. That's a relationship. You understand that? Okay? Do we have that relationship with Jesus? I want to hear his voice. I want to see. Hey, let me ask you. I know I'm all over the place this morning. Please forgive me. But I've got to ask you a question. Have you ever doubted at times, God? 
not so much who he is and you believe in him, but you just, Lord, I just need your prayer. I just, I doubt you. And then he sort of reminds you, look at the sunrise. You have oxygen. Look at the beauty. Some guys, we're so focused. We miss the beauty of everything around us. Who's God? Because we're looking for something, something manifested. You, you, anybody know what I'm talking about, or do I need to explain a little bit more? I'll tell you. Let, let me explain it a little bit more. When I was in Israel, and I was at the Wailing Wall in Israel, and all the Jews are sitting there, I really wanted to see Jesus. I kept praying, God, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Do I remember the Wailing Wall? I wanted to turn around and just me see my Jesus standing there. Nobody, You know what I'm talking about. I wanted to see Jesus. And I turned around and he wasn't there. Not physically. But he reminded me that he is there. He reminded me in our group of people who love Jesus. He reminded me in the way we see a beautiful sunrise, in the clouds. He reminded me in the way we treat each other. Except for the cookie we lost there in Israel. But anyways, let's go, um, let's go on, okay? Okay, so here's the lesson. You ready? How do we fight, guys? The word of God and prayer are our only effective weapons against Satan. What did I say? The word of God and prayer. The word of God and prayer. Joe. I've told you that, that we behave what we believe, right? We behave what we believe. This is what we really believe is how we behave. Here's where, listen, when I tell you this, I'm telling you with all of my heart, be in the Word of God, guys. All the time. In this last days. And what I mean by this, guys, is that we're not only past fourth quarter, we're in overtime. Some might even say double overtime. We're ready. This is it. And I want you to be in the Word of God because I want your foundation secure and I want your feet planted. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. That's just how we fight our, our battles. Now, I wish I could sit here and go, you know what? I'm a super pastor. I'm on my knees all the time and I'm in the Word of God. Well, I'm in the Word of God, but I need it more. Because the battles we fight have got to be in the Word of God. We've got to be there. And I don't, I don't say that to convict us. Oh man, you guys aren't in. What I'm telling you is that, man, listen, whatever you're doing, keep doing. But be in the word. Be in the word. It's easy for us to sit down on our lazy boy and go click, click. Ah, it is. But we've got to discipline ourselves to go, no, I need to give a little more to God. I'm going to read the word. God, speak to me. Speak to me. Matthew, help me be a good leader, a good family. Help me be a great leader. Alex, man, boom. Alex comes home. Amanda, guess what? Here's what I read today. Isn't that awesome? Oh, really? Yeah, what did God speak to you? Man, he spoke this to me. I was so convicted. It was amazing. Here's what we think. We think conviction's a bad thing, don't we? I was so convicted. It's a great thing. Why? Because now the Bible's reading you. And he's going, ah, my son, I want to make you more like me. I want to make you more like me. Ah, my daughter, I want to make you more like me. We're never going to finish if I don't keep going. I'm telling you. Sorry. Sorry, guys. So, notice the tone in verse 6. 
Paul says something that I find interesting. You guys see it? Look at verse 6 real quick. He says this, and after you've become, what's that? Fully obedient. He says, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Do you guys see that? And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Paul's like, okay. And when you guys repent and you're obedient, he says, then I'm going to come after those that are disobedient. Paul ain't playing. We can't play, guys. The message is too important. Eternity from Jesus is too important to be playing. Well, can't we just all get along? Just come on. Kumbaya, my Lord. He says, no, it's too important. Listen, we, I want you to come into obedience, and then, and then, and then we're going to, and then we're going to have a, a what, what do we call it? A come to Jesus meeting? And that's what he says, right? Now, here's what Warren Wearsby says. I'm going to quote him. Warren Wearsby says this, quote, church problems are not solved by changing the constitution. Revising the church program or recognizing or reorganizing a board, he says, but by confronting people in problems with the word of God. Paul loves them enough to go, hey, let's talk about, let's talk about the word. This is what it says. This is what it says. Here's the bottom line, guys. Whenever we're going to counsel anybody, you don't want my opinion. You want the word of God. Now, I have some experiences in, in, in dealing with church, but listen, if, I'm, if, if they're not taking you to this, then you're just going to get somebody's opinion. So what do you think I should do? Right here. God will speak. God will speak. So as we go on, Paul warns them, guys, don't look with human eyes. Don't look with human eyes. There's more going on. Look at verse 7. He says, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? And we're going like this. Yes, we do, Paul. Sorry. If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. For even I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction. I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. You go, Ben, what did Paul said? Well, this is packed. Okay, so what he does, he gives us great advice. What do he say? He says, you look only at what lies before your eyes. He goes, let me remind you, I belong to Christ too. And in verse 8, he says this, as a matter of fact, he says, I could claim a higher authority. That's what he tells us. He says, but, I says, I would really frighten some of you if I told you everything. Now, he could easily go and say this. Were you on the road to Damascus that day? Let me take you back to Acts chapter 9. I was there. Were you blind for three days because the light was so bright of Jesus? Listen, my ears are still ringing from when he said, Paul, Paul, what are you, you know, Saul, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And I was like so freaked out. I was like, what? I thought I was dead three times probably. You know, I mean, the light was so bright. I couldn't, I mean, I'm blind. I'm just like. He says, but I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to, I don't want to scare you with the letters. I don't want to scare you with the letters. Here's the problem. Look at verse 10. He says, for his letters, they say, okay, here's these super apostles. Well, they're weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak. 
and his speech contemptible. Well, let such a person consider this, that what we are in word and by letters when we are absent, such we will be indeed when we are present. Here's what they're saying. They're judging him from the outside. They're saying, well, look at he he writes a mean letter, but when he comes, that can't be him. No way. That's Paul? Some people describe Paul, I've never seen him, as short, stocky, crooked nose, bald, and then he had a limp because he had a thorn in the flesh. I don't know. That's just what they, I mean, they think that can't be him because isn't his powerful, his letter very powerful? Yeah. Yeah. The people are saying in church, guys, the people are saying, Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but he's weak. And his speeches are worthless. Now, what Paul says, he says, those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be just as forceful as what we say in letters. And that's why, church, that's why we, some people believe that this is the harsh letter that he wrote. Because he's going straight, he's telling them. He's, he's doing it lovingly, you understand that, Right? And so he's saying, how foolish are these Christians to discredit Paul because he lacked the physical stamina of, of a Peter or, or an order of Apollos? How silly. Actually, Paul addressed this issue, guys, in the first letter, if you were with us. Remember, the church was divided early on because the teachers, there were some teachers come into Corinth with some amazing gifts. Man, and what happened is instead of following Christ, people started following teachers. Never happened in our life, has it? I mean, think about it, guys. They were following their favorite teachers. Well, Ben, is it wrong to have a favorite teacher? Because, like, you're all right and everything. I like coming to this church, but, boy, I really listen to such and such and so-and-so. There's nothing wrong with having a favorite teacher. The problem is, guys, is it's wrong for you when you won't listen to anybody else. Listen. If me and Pastor Sof were standing up here and we said, hey, anybody need prayer? And a long line was follow, was, was forming for me and nobody was wanting to be prayed. That's following a person. Because there's nothing special about me to pray for you than is different than Sof. Well, see, God hears Pastor Ben, but he doesn't hear Pastor Sof. So I'm going to line up right here. You, you, we do that, don't we? Oh, I want so-and-so to pray for me. Oh, he's a celeb. Oh, man. It's like, no, they're both praying to God. They're both praying to God. Guys, that's what he's saying. He's saying, man, be careful with your favorite. Don't, don't, don't. And, and, and here's the thing. They would take it a step further, and they say, you're only... Here's the problem. You're only following and leaning on teachings of that teacher for salvation. Okay? And you go, Ben, 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 Ben. What do you mean? Well, staying within the context, guys, this church, Paul says, seems to be leaning on the teaching, the works of these men, rather than the works of Christ on the cross for their salvation. Well, Apollo says this. Well, and it's like, no, what does Jesus say? And Jesus has to be, Jesus has to be, Jesus has to be the center of our lives. Has to be. Has to be. 
Let me say this to me, okay? If we don't understand the gospel, we will find ourselves leaning into personalities, into teachings, into churches, into works, into relationships in an effort to find approval, love, acceptance, and validation. I've told you this, guys, a thousand times. Don't put your faith in men. I've told you the story of Pastor Robert. Pastor Robert was the church we came out of. I told you the story, guys. One day there was a a, a disgruntled person was very upset, was planning on leaving the church because Pastor Robert did not speak to them. Well, Pastor Robert didn't speak to me. I said hello, and he didn't speak to me. They were upset. They were upset. We're going to find another. We want a pastor that just loves us. You know what the problem was? Pastor Robert didn't have his hearing aid on, and he didn't hear the hello. So he didn't hear them. He was like, when you don't understand that Jesus is the center, guys, then you'll, you'll lean into personalities. This is what Paul's dealing with, right? This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I can be just as strong in my letters. I don't want to. So here's what Paul told us. We've got we to move on quickly. He says, here's what we learned. Here's what he's taught. Number one says, Paul says, I follow Christ. Can I get an amen? I follow Christ's example. That's our goal. Everybody say, that's my goal. Follow Christ. Okay, number two, I don't use human weapons of wisdom. He says, I use spiritual weapons. And Paul says, I definitely don't judge by appearance. I can be just in bold in person as I can in my letters. Right? Now, if you are at all a Bible student, you guys know exactly in the Old Testament who who comes to mind. Right? Little David. David. David was anointed king of Israel, and what happened? They're like, that dude, he's the runt of the family. He's the, he's the shepherd. He can't be. No, it's got to be Elihu, right? He's the tall. He's, no, it's David. Why? Because God doesn't look at an outward. He looks at the heart. So what's a great, what's a great lesson? Be careful not to judge people's appearance. Be careful. Are we not like that or what? Especially in our country today. Oh, my goodness. Somebody comes, we see somebody, man, and they're just, they're, whether they're all tatted up or they're just this, oh, ooh, uh, that is, oh, they have the softest heart. And then you got the guy who has the, 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 the nice suit and the Armani suit, and he's, and he's got the perfect character. He walks in, and he's driving a Maserati, and he could be the awfulest person. Don't judge. Don't judge. It's a great lesson. Paul says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let the Lord come in. I'm going to let the Lord praise. Verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Why? They're measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. They're not wise. You know what he's saying? He's saying, guys, we're not going to compare ourselves or say what a wonderful, uh, how wonderful we are, like these men say. He says, they're only comparing themselves to each other. Consequently, they thought very highly of themselves. He says, this is not a wise thing to do. 
this is not a wise thing to do. You go, Pastor, can you give me a point really simple as a pastor? Well, I'm a better teacher than that guy, and he has a big major, he has a big major church. I'm a better pastor than him. I preach better than him. And how come I only have... You know what I mean? Guess what we're doing? We're compare, I'm comparing myself. That's not the standard, right? He says the standard is Jesus. Well, Ben, what if you have 60, 80, 100 people for the rest of your life? Am I pleasing to Jesus? Then I'm okay. God, it's hard building a church. I didn't call you to build a church. I called you to feed my sheep. Oh, (laughs) I've been doing it wrong for 17 years. Oh, no, no, feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. You know why? Because healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. So, Ben, why do you go verse by verse by verse by verse by verse? Because healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. But what if the church doesn't grow? You guys are enough for me to be accountable on the day of of judgment, right? So, Ben, what did you do with Tamri? Uh, You know, I better make sure. Because I've got to stand before Almighty God and give an account for every one of you. This is not a job I would pick. You understand that? I don't want to be judged harder. I want to be judged easier. But this is the calling. And that's what Paul's saying. This is the calling of my apostolic ministry. So the point, don't, the standard isn't other men. It's God. Is God pleased with you? Has he blessed you? Has he commended you? I like what Galatians 6, uh, verses 3 and 4 says. For he says, for if anyone thinks of himself to be something, help me, church, When he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each man examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself and not in another. Right? What's the point? Don't think you're higher than something. Man, I'm I'm a super pastor. I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a superhero costume that has a big P right here for super pastor. And I'm going to go about Lubbock, Texas, and I'm going to save the world. Paul says, just, just do what I told you to do. Let God, let God raise you up. Let God raise you up. That's, this is where we're at. This, this is it, right? Let's go on, verse 13. He says, when, however, we will boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. What fear, Paul? The sphere which especially includes you guys. I'm boasting on you. For we not are overextending ourselves though as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishments. Don't you just love this here? Paul is wise enough to go, listen, I'm going to just leave it alone. Why? I'll let the Lord do what he does. The Lord is going to make the commendations, him alone. This is what he does. And then in verse 17, he says, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. That's a good place for an amen. For not he who commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commands. You know what he does? I love that he does this, right? Verse 17. He actually refers to Jeremiah 
chapter 9, 24. But let him who glories, glories in the Lord. And he understands, he knows me, that I am the Lord's exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Let me just say this. Okay, number one, if, if Christ is in you, he's well pleased with you. Because he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. That's a great place for an amen. Thank you, Lord. He sees Jesus. That's good. In ministry, in life, in family, as you're being exalted, let the Lord do it. Let the Lord do it. When people tell me, Pastor, that was a great sermon, praise God. Because I know me. I know me. And, and you wouldn't have known the kid, right, 20 years ago, 25 years ago that stood behind a pulpit going, oh, okay, let's get in our Bibles. You would have been like, that dude's never going to make it. And God, God does that. How do we measure success? Well, pastor, you should have more people in the church. Is that how we measure? Are we measured by the growth of the people who are here? I love, I love that Paul is simply waiting on the Lord. And you know what we should be longing for, guys? Really, these words from God. Well done, that good and faithful servant. Well done. That's, that's it. Right? If after service, Pastor Joe comes up to me, Joe Mabry says, Pastor Ben, good job, my friend. That was awesome. I've never heard a better. That's great. Joe, do that after service, okay? And then I go, and by the time 12.30 comes around, that's gone. You understand? That's wonderful. So I want to long for the Lord to say, Ben, well done. You were faithful to teach the word. You were faithful to play the drums. You were faithful to sing. You were faithful to do sound. You were faithful to do announcements. Well done. But announcements aren't a big thing. It are, they are to him. They are to him. Pastor Soph and Yvonne, Manaya, been here 17, almost 17 years. Faithful. 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 17. What do you need, Pastor? What do you need? You guys understand. That's what he wants. Well done, good and faithful servant. After 17 years, Soph could have been like, hey, Ben, listen, this ain't going anywhere, bro. I'm out. And they probably thought it a time or two. And I said, take me with you, So wherever you go, take me with you. But that's not, you ask him, ask Soph, ask Yvonne. That's not what God's called him to, God's called him to say. He just said, be faithful, be faithful. Wherever you are, be faithful, be faithful. Let's close, let's close, guys, let's close. I wish chapter 10 was the end of the message. I wish that would have been like, Paul, you gave it to him. The problem is, guys, is that next week we continue to see him, again, defend. And so, therefore, he's going to sharpen the church again with confrontation, chapter 11. But for the next few minutes, as the worship team comes up, let me leave you with this. Okay, so don't check out. Everybody, don't check out. The donuts will still be there. Whatever's left, don't check out. 
Here's what, we need to, here's what I need to leave you with. You ready? As fully devoted followers of Jesus in his service on earth, what can we learn from today's lessons? Number one, don't be influenced by the physical. Don't be influenced by the physical. Some of the greatest servants of God are not always the most handsome, the strongest. Focus your heart on him. Surrender to him and know the word of God. Why is it important to know the word of God? Because if something comes from the pulpit that's not right, you know it. You know it. You sit there and you go, that's not right. That's not right. That's out of context. No. That's why it's important to know the word of God. Number two, the most important work we can do, help me church, is a spiritual work. Based upon our text today, we build through prayer and the word of God, and this takes time, dedication, and sacrifice. Let's purpose on our hearts today that we're going to pray more, and we're going to read the word more, and we're going to focus on him. And last but not least, I like Warren Wiersbe because here's what he says, and I'm going to use him as we close. Don't judge before the time. Let God do the commending. Live for his approval, and your life and ministry will be blessed. You may seem to be a failure in your eyes and the eyes of others, but God may see you and your work as a great success for his glory. Unquote. Amen. Father, we thank you today for the truth, Lord, the word of God. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you through the power of your Holy Spirit that we learned We learned the lesson, Lord. May we never forget the message that Paul preaches, the message of reconciliation, the message of the cross, the gospel. Lord, in a world that's falling and failing right before our eyes, we have this little piece of heaven right here. We have your word and we have your spirit. So, Lord, what's happened up until just this hour, is gone. We can't fix it. We can't change it. But starting now, we can, be, we can start afresh. Jesus, as I'm praying to you, my concern, Lord, are really those that are not in a right relationship with you, either those watching online, those that will listen to podcasts, or even maybe somebody here. And so, Lord, I never, ever want to leave a time when we're together without an invitation. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, I don't think I'm in a right relationship with God, but I want to be. I, you were saying some things, Pastor, honestly, and some lights were going on, but I got to believe. You said something earlier about a relationship. Pastor, I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus. I I just don't. I don't talk to him like I just. But I want to, Pastor. I want to. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. So if you're watching online or you're even here today, and you're not right with God, but you want to be, today's your day. I have some great news. Ready? 
God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he got his arms wide open right now for you to surrender. But let's make it a big deal, man. If, you're, if you want to surrender to him, let's make it a big deal. Today's been a big deal. Let's make it a big deal. You go, what do I have to do? All you have to do is just lift up your hand in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Why? Well, nobody's going to see you, but I want God to see your heart. Well, why do I have to lift my hand? Again, I want to acknowledge you, and then I want to lead you in a prayer. Well, does that mean I'm saved? If you mean it with all of your heart and you believe in Jesus and you confess him, you'll be saved. That's what Romans says. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, again, I don't know. In a, in a small group like this, I don't know, but we can, we can definitely offer an invitation. So I'm inviting you into the family of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never surrendered completely to the Lord, You don't have a relationship with him, but you want one. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Would you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus in my life. Just going to give you an opportunity. Anybody right here, just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. This is the most important part, guys. Any of you watching online, just lift up your hand. He'll see your heart. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. The most important thing is I believe in you. I repent and I surrender to you. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord, guys. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.